Dear mums, nans, stepmums, new mums, not so new mums, standing mums and soon to be mums, happy Mother's Day. Thank you for your continued love, support and dedication to making the world a better place, a richer and more beautiful place through the support and education to your children. Today we celebrate all the wonderful mothers in our lives and wish you a day filled with happiness and togetherness with those you love. Today is just an excuse to say thank you. Looking through some pictures in my computer, I am suddenly faced by a picture that my husband took of me and my firstborn baby moments after her arrival. As I looked at the photograph, a rush of feelings come through me. I remember the feeling of relief I felt, the serenity and the incredible joy that my baby had arrived safely after an exceptionally painful delivery. I remember being filled with gratitude for both of our well-beings, for having made it through okay, with little more than a few sutures. But what I see in the face looking back at me from that picture is so much more. The woman that I see is exhausted, nearly broken by everything she's been through. And yet, she has a gentle smile on her face. She has no idea what it is yet in store, perhaps almost more than she could ever bear. But even in her lassitude, she's hopeful. Despite the physical and mental hardships that ravage our pre-motherhood bodies, despite the daily worries and the sleepless nights, despite any emotional and mental pain that we as mothers experience, we remain forever hopeful for the little lives that we have created, because anything is possible with them. It's great to have a day to be celebrated by your family for everything that you do all year round. But what is it that you do for yourself? Something changed for me this year. And instead of wanting to be appreciated for being a great mother, I feel truly appreciative to have had the opportunity to be a mum. Please don't get me wrong. I love a thoughtful gift. I love when my daughter writes me a little poem, when my boys make me a hand print card. All to say how much they love me on Mother's Day. But truth be told, I love being their mum most of all. The job is truly a labour of love. There are days that are painful and test you for sure. And then there are those glorious days where you pass with flying colours. 
This year has been different for many of us, if not for all of us. And as such, I would urge you to take a little time just for you. To reflect on what it means for you to be a mum. I have a journal where I write to my future self. I list the joys that mothering has brought me the challenges that I encounter as I go through my experience of motherhood every day, every week, every month and every year. I write about what mothering means to me as I go through my own life, trying to fulfil so many other categories in my life as a human being. The give and the take of life. Like once described in the book, The Giving Tree, by S. Silverstein, a classic picture book. On its face, the story is about a tree's sacrificial love for a boy. They play together happily every day, but the boy grows up and pursues the trappings of adulthood. Family, house, money, travel. So the tree gives the boy apples to sell in order to obtain money, its branches to build a house, and its trunk to make a boat. By the end, the tree's a stump, but the boy, now a tired old man, needs nothing more than a quiet place to rest. So he sits on the tree and the tree's happy. Despite the reader's debate about the book's meaning since its publication in 1964, with some arguing the tender story of unconditional love and others the disturbing tale of selfishness, many interpret this picture book as a picture of parental love. The book sharply divides readers, and this is not due to the tree's love itself, but the canvas of the story, the passing of time. We witness the boy's journey from childhood through to old age, with all the loss and longing that that accompanies the journey of life. The book opens with scenes of childhood happiness. The boy plays with the tree every day, climbing, swinging. They're happy. But as time goes by, the only hint of the boy's childhood is a little smile that remains. The boy nostalgically remembers his happy childhood days with the tree. As the boy continues to age, The boy no longer plays with the tree. The boy is too busy or too old. This suggests not only the loss of childhood happiness, but a very real sense of the loss that time inevitably changes. Your youth and innocence the hopes and dreams, the love that we can all find 
that wholeness or that happiness in its fullest sense only when we go back to that time. With loss comes longing. The boy, despite abandoning the tree for all the material possessions and family, he always returns to the tree. He returns to that place in his memory of that completeness of being happy that remains forever engraved in that tree space. An old school friendship. A home video from a mostly forgotten holiday. Your child's baby pictures. We bittersweetly hold the memory and crave for that restoration even more complete. Time takes these joys from us and leaves a deep longing. This nostalgia is embodied in a German concept described in many of C.S. Lewis's writings, a British writer where he described the inconsolable longing that makes us feel nostalgic and longing to be reunited with something in the universe for which we feel distanced from or cut off from. In Lewis's view, while this longing often springs from childhood memories or things of beauty, those are mere stand-ins, ultimately... What we desire is something that has never actually appeared in our experience. Lewis described it as the far-off country, the home to which we have never been. When we see the ageing boy's loss in his childhood happiness and the tree's longing to regain it, we encounter the loss that's intrinsic to life and the long for a place where wholeness awaits. We are both the boy and the tree. For those of us who remember reading The Giving Tree as children, that memory itself starts to stir some longing. We now read the book to our children as was read to us before we knew of the loss that the pass of time brings. Back then the story was about nothing more than Tree's love. The act of reading these books, or many other books that we once read as children, evoke the great loss and longing of that time that one once brought us happiness as children. But we can't go back. We're too old to play. And the tree that we remember is now gone 
please note that this is not necessarily a bad thing. Our days of complete happiness and wholeness lie not in the past, but in the future, in our far-off country. We all want better for our children than we have for ourselves. This desire is innate in us. We exhaust ourselves taking our children from one activity to another. We run to the rescue at the hint of a grace on their knee. We feel obliged to volunteer for every school event. We spend all day entertaining and setting up playdates in order to avoid a moment of childhood boredom. The issue is that, like the tree, we can give so much that we have nothing left for ourselves. The intent of all this giving is noble. We want our kids to have happy childhoods. But we perhaps ought to ask ourselves the question. Our intensive giving will always certainly exhaust us. But will it lead to the desired result? Raising mature, well-adjusted, capable adults? It's hard to say, and I certainly do not have the answer. For today's parents, there's pressure to save our kids from injustices and injuries that have always been commonplace in childhood. We've become conditioned by the culture to think that, like the tree, by giving, by sheltering, by saving, will make the boy, the child, in our own lives, happy. Perhaps the tree was right to give so selflessly to the boy for all those years. Maybe the intrinsic value of giving, which made the tree happy, outweighed any enabling negative impact it had on the boy as he grew up. But perhaps, instead, the boy would have been better off if the tree had told the boy, I love you, I want what's best for you, but what's best for you is not taking my apples, my branches, my stump. You need to set out on your own. You'll fail, you'll fall, but you'll figure out how to get up on your own. Would the boy have suffered more hardship? Perhaps. But he had been learning important lessons along the way that would have helped him to overcome and grow and succeed and gain that contentment in his own achievement. And as an adult, he could have returned home to a tree that was brimming with bright apples on a broad canopy branches, not seeking more, but ready to give back himself. 
who knows how this modern selfless approach to parenting will work out. Maybe the next generation will be better for it. Maybe all the hard work and effort we've put into giving will leave us as parents content and happy. It is worth considering whether the best gift we can give our children is the lesson that while we'll always be there by their sides, sometimes they'll have to pick themselves up after a fall. Perhaps by giving our kids less of what they ask for, we are actually giving them so much more. Remember, mothers are not just those birthing ones. They are also the stepmothers, the nans, the standing mothers, the soon-to-be mothers, the teachers and friends, the mentors and carers who provide nurturing and love. I'm referring to the women in our lives who teach, who care, who listen, who wipe away the tears, who hug, who act, who tell us everything is going to be alright at times, who say yes, but that also say no. Those that guide us, who truly believe in us. These are special women that mother because of the great capacity to love and they give without expectations. But please don't forget the give and the take of life. And remember that you're doing your best and your best is good enough. Bye for now.